I'd like to just begin by welcoming everyone, and I'd like to celebrate as we begin the service that we made it to the end of the year for the one time the announcements did not stink at this church. Thank you so much, Christina, for all you did. Normally, a guy by the name of John does those announcements. He's up in New Jersey, and boy, is it not brutal if you're here on a regular basis. So, Christina, thank you so much. Hey, Merry Christmas, everyone. Welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. My name's Adam. I'm the uh, lead communicator around here, and we're so excited that you chose to spend this evening with us. And so, when we started planning our Christmas Eve service, we started to think to ourselves, hey, what's this night going to be like? What's this evening going to be like? Because so many churches that I've been to and churches even in our area or in our country, they kind of like to put on spectacles or do something abnormal that they normally don't do. And then you might come back like the next week and you're like, well, boy, this really stinks. It was really fun that one night. How, why is it not like that all the time? So what we just said was we were going to just do business as normal and have a service as we normally have it around here at Downtown Harbor Church every single week. So kind of Sit back and enjoy. We're so glad that you're here. So as we talked about, we're starting or we're kind of wrapping up this talk, this series, whatever you want to call it, called This Changes Everything. Because one of the things that we think is we think that the events of Christmas time, when Jesus came to earth and was born of a virgin, that it changed everything in the history of humanity. Every single thing from start to finish, ever since that moment happened, nothing was the same again. And so what we've been doing is we've been taking a look at how things are different related to the birth of Jesus and why we celebrate that around Christmas Day and Christmas time. But since there's kids in the room, and by the way, fill out those blanks for downstairs. You're going to get something real fun. Um, I love when kids are in the room, and here's why. Because for 15 years before I transitioned into my current role at Downtown Harbor Church, I was a kid's guy. I was a crazy personality on stage with kids, still get a chance to do that um, on different occasions throughout my year. But I love when you guys are here because there's a question I kind of wanted to ask, and maybe you could tell somebody afterward, or maybe you could tell me afterward if you see me. Like, because I know a lot of you are excited for the big man tomorrow, right? The old hefty, you know, man in the red suit and the beard, he's going to be making a trip, okay? And if you don't do that, that's fine too, but I did as a kid, right? But he's going to be making a trip. But my question for you is, here's what I want to know. Because I've seen this like at the mall and, you know, the Kris Kringle's there, Santa's there. And inevitably, I see children screaming when they see Santa. And so, like, I didn't understand this. I didn't, I didn't get why this was true because, after all, I mean, you're telling him what you want for Christmas. Hopefully, he's going to bring it to you. And then I started to think, you know... Caitlin and I don't have our own children yet, but we have a niece and a nephew. They're the cutest things. Their names are Kate and Matthew. And so one of the things that I noticed was my niece and nephew had these issues in their life. In fact, they've been kind of, there's been kind of like seven years, because Kate is now seven, of this kind of history. And so what I wanted to do is just kind of bring this up today on Christmas Eve. Take a look at this. This is year one, right? Like it didn't... It didn't go so well. Like, she's like, get me away from this man, okay? And so I talked to my sister about it, and I was like, hey, maybe this is going to eventually go better for you all. And so, therefore, we went to year two. And year two was just as bad for this child. She is screaming bloody murder in this man's arms on year two. And then she has a baby brother. And we go to year three, where we've had to tranquilize her to sit on his lap. And I don't know like why we had to do, but look at her. Like they had to, they tranked her. And then the baby's here. He doesn't know what's going on yet. He's so little and new. But then she finally takes some steps forward in her life. She becomes a four-year-old, right? And sure enough, here she is. And she's great. And he's losing his mind and screaming. Okay. 
And it only gets worse from this point on. Like, this is not a good thing. So we're going to go to year five. Kate, cute as a button. Matthew now losing his ever, you know, bloody mind. He's just losing it all. And then we go to year six, okay, and he's still bad. Like, it's just not happening for these children. And I'm like, these are my nieces and nephews. Should I help them? What's the problem here? Can we not, like, get across the line here? So then I was like, hey, call my sister. When are you going to see Santa at the mall? And she goes, we're going tomorrow. And I said, well, this is going to be an exciting thing because this year, I think it's your year. I think you're going to get them both in a candid format this year. It's going to be fantastic. Here's year seven. I said, <laughs> she put this on Facebook. I said, where's the other child? She said, we had a fail. He didn't even make it to Santa's lap. Check this out. <laughs> He's literally sitting on the ground. The child will not make it to the lap of Santa Claus. And so I, didn't, I don't understand this. And so maybe, kids, you can help me to understand a little bit of this. But you know, it's an exciting night. In fact, it's probably my favorite night of the entire year. It's Christmas Eve. You know, I like to say that these nights are special and they mean more than any other night that we just have to randomly kind of walk through life with. These are the nights when we get to hang out with those people that we love and cherish the most. It's this one special night where you gather those people who you care about and engage in memories and moments and you celebrate together, celebrating the birth of Jesus and what he is to a modern world, even in this day. And so what we've been doing as we kind of talk through this changes everything is what we've been doing is we've been taking a look at people who are essential to these events. We've been taking a look at people who are essential to the events of the Christmas story and what happened from start to finish. And what we find is, what we learn is, there's not very many of these players in these events. There's not very many people who are engaged in this story. There's just a few cast of characters, but we think that there's so much more than characters. We think that they were real people. We think that they were people who engaged with their community and with their culture. And we think they are people who God used in a very special way to help transform and change the world around them because nothing would ever be the same after these events occurred. And so tonight, it only makes sense that the person that we're going to talk about who is essential to this story is Jesus. And Jesus and what, he, what happened when he came to earth and what happened through his life but two weeks ago, we talked about his earthly parents, Mary and Joseph. We talked about how essential these two people were and how they were just ordinary people, people just like me and you, people who were living in their cult, in their communities, who were engaging with those around them, and they were ordinary, simple people. And you know what God said? God said, I'm going to use two ordinary people to do something extraordinary. And then last week, we talked about the shepherds and the wise men. We talked about how they were more than just those figures you see on the front lawn, right? That these are people who were real. And the shepherds who God chose to reveal that Jesus was born first to, the shepherds were seen as the lower class of society. They had jobs that no one wanted. And then God said, hey, go and find this newborn Messiah, this newborn king lying in a manger. And then he revealed to the wise men that they were to also go as well. Proving in one fell swoop that this new movement, this Jesus movement, was for the low and the high, the poor and the rich, the people who weren't necessarily knowledgeable and the smartest people ever, that this new movement was for everyone. And so that takes us to tonight, where we look at Jesus, this Christmas Eve, where we kind of explore together what he did on this earth, not only his birth, which we celebrate today, but what he did with his life, because nothing would ever, ever be the same again. This changed everything. So you have a scripture, 
and you want to open it, you can. We're going to be in the book of Luke first tonight. If not, you can do that on a mobile device if you want to. Or, as always, it will be on our screens right above us and on my screen here. It said Luke chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. At the time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed the census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. If you're young in the room and you may not know what a census is, a census just means that everyone had to be counted. They need to see how many people actually lived in these towns. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Just to give you some context for where these events took place and the events that I'm talking about, you've seen this word Syria all over our modern news in this day and age. It's not a very fun or exciting place to be, but this just gives you context where these events actually took place. Going on, it says, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, remember, it was prophesied that the Messiah would be of the lineage of King David. Jesus would be of the lineage of King David, was a descendant of King David. He had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. It goes on. It says he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them in the inn. Right? Jesus had come to earth. The prophesized Messiah, the one who, if we say yes to understanding that he is who he says that he, that he is, makes us right with the ever-powerful creator of the universe. And what I love so much about this is this was the first moment of a new movement. See, God knew something. God knew that a new way was needed, that people had been knowing him for a certain way throughout ancient history. But this new movement was new and unique and different, and it was for everyone. And this was the first moment of a new movement. The Messiah had come to earth. The Messiah had arrived. The one who should we say yes to him makes us right with the big God creator of the universe. And because this happened, and it happened exactly as the prophecy was told, we understood that Jesus is who he said that he was. But I talk about this prophecy a lot. So I started to think about this because these events fulfill an ancient prophecy. And I started to remember, you know what, we haven't really talked about what that prophecy said. Because it was all throughout the Old Testament in the scriptures. What was this prophecy that foretold of a coming Messiah? A prophecy that, don't miss this, a prophecy that would rescue humanity. A prophecy, a prophecy that would rescue humanity should humanity say yes to the Messiah. And I started to ask myself, why did the world need a Messiah? Why did the world need rescuing? Why did the world need saved. Why did the world need that? Well, I'll tell you this. The world was dark. The world was very dark. You know, a lot of times people will say today, hey, the world's going downhill really, really quick. It's worse than it's ever been. I'll tell you this. If you look through the ancient scriptures, you understand that the world was dark, has been dark, and will always will be dark, and it needed a different way. It needed a different way. Do you know what it needed? God knew this. This is why he sent Jesus. Do you know what a world that was dark needed? This is so important. Don't miss this. This is so important. so key. The world needed love. It 
needed love. It was dark. The times were evil. And it needed love. Love with skin on it. Love in the form of a Messiah, a Savior, who would teach about a new way, a different way. And so the prophecy states this. It's in the old scripture written long before the time of Jesus. It's written in Isaiah chapter 9. And I'm kind of paraphrasing this prophecy because if you ever want to kind of go deeper into something, go read this. Like there's so much in there that will just like blow your mind. Like it's just kind of crazy. But I'm going to kind of paraphrase a little bit here tonight. But this is what it said in Isaiah 9. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. You know how I know the world was dark? Because the scripture talks about it. This time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The people who will walk in darkness will see a great light. This is Jesus. That's who he's talking about. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. And then it goes on and says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. And don't miss this. This is so key to understanding who Jesus is. And you know what he will be called? He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Want to know what makes me sad when I read this? Because I've told you, if you've been around here for any length of time, that I had a broken heart for a long time. What makes me sad about this is I don't feel like Jesus is represented to be anything close to this by the modern day local church today. And it's our job to do things differently in a different way so that we can help a world and a community see who he is and what he does and what he calls us to do in our lives. So the prophecy was fulfilled. It culminated in the birth of Jesus. Jesus was born. And that's why we celebrate here on Christmas. That's why we gather around to not miss how key this was to the future of the world. Because Jesus came to earth presenting God and love for the first time that so many had never heard. So then I started to ask myself another question. Because I like to ask myself questions. I said, that's kind of funny, I guess. Right? I mean, I got a chuckle or two. Why, right? Why should we believe that he is the one? If, if we're going to think about this and we're going to go, okay, prophecy, Messiah, new way, new movement, why should we believe that he is the one? Well, I just challenge you this, and I'm going to present a couple of things right here as we kind of motor through these. If you're kind of new to engaging with the local church, and if you have kind of wanted to not be a part of church for a long time, I don't blame you because I hadn't either, right? Then we started this one, which has been, you know, just the love of my life. It's been so fun to be a part of. But if you have not engaged with church or, or looked at the life of Jesus, you're missing out as to why we should believe that he is the one. Because his life was unbelievable. And when you look at his life, you know that he proved on this earth that he was who he said that he was and who he claimed to be. You want to know how I know that? Because all throughout history, these are recorded, documented events. These are not stories. These are real things that happened. He performed miracles. He performed miracles. And there's documented accounts of this. And his first miracle, probably my favorite one, he turned water into wine, right? And if you're like me, in about an hour, you're going to have one of those in your hand, right? Because you're just pretty excited, okay? Turn water into wine because he just goes, here's the deal. He goes, I, I, I want to prove that I am who I say that I am. And this miraculous thing happened at this wedding feast. He did this. 
This guy who claimed to be God, claimed to be the Messiah, he healed the sick. He cured the incurable. Things that people said would never, ever be cured, he cured them. He raised people from the dead. He raised individuals from the dead. This guy calmed storms. He did everything that these documented accounts say. He fed 5,000 people with very, very little food. And then he said, you know what? You can just take all these things at face value or you cannot but you want to know something? You want me to go and prove one final thing? And he said the craziest thing that anybody's ever heard. He goes, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to die. In fact, they're going to kill me. But don't worry. I'm going to come back to life. And he died. And he rose again. And then we take a look at those miraculous historical events. And we go, now we see why the prophecy said that. Now we understand that he is the living Messiah, proving and fulfilling these prophecies. And that's why it's so important for us to understand the context about the life of Jesus, specifically as we gather with our closest friends and family and those we love to the most of our ability on Christmas. But so then I started to ask myself another question. I started to ask myself this very poignant, practical question related to Jesus related to the Messiah, related to who he was. This is the question I asked. Why did God do this? God, this ever-present creator of the universe that's bigger than we could ever understand or imagine. You think that you know everything about God? Think again, right? He's bigger than we could ever understand or imagine. So, but we try to. That's the journey we're on here. Why would God do this? Why would this massive being, why would he create this you know, thing with a Messiah? And why would Jesus have to come to earth? Why would he do this? And I could only say, you know, I'm got a blazer on tonight. It's hot up here, up in this place, right? All right. Here's the deal. Why did God do this? I can only come up with one answer. And it's a powerful one. So zone in and understand that this gives you a glimpse into this massive creator that we call God through the life of Jesus. Why did God do this? To show humanity who he really is. To show humanity what his characteristics or traits are. To send a living Messiah to earth to physically represent the character of God. Don't miss this. People tend to think, especially in the modern day church, that God is a tyrant with an iron fist. And we've represented him that way. It's kind of our own fault. But I wanna put something on the screen that Jesus said to his disciples. Now his disciples were his closest followers, his best friends of the time, right before he was going to be crucified and he was going to die, he said something to his closest followers that represents at the core of its being who God truly is. It's in the book of John, chapter 13. Here's what it says. This is Jesus talking. He said, dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you'll search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. Jesus, what does that mean? Like, I, you know, I can't even understand. Okay, right, but... He goes on, he goes, so, so, my clicker, there, there we go. So now I'm giving you a new commandment, love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And then he says what my opinion is one of the most powerful passages of scripture that you will ever read, because this bottom lines it all based on who he is, 
who God is and how we are to treat our community around us. And he says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. I have only put this scripture on the screen one time at Downtown Harbor Church since our inception. We've used some other variations about Jesus talking about loving your neighbor as yourself. But gang, this is everything. I'm talking to and looking at every single person in the room. When we understand that your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples, that is everything. But if you really want my opinion, it's completely unfiltered. We, and I'm lumping Christianity into, you know, a generality here. You can be upset about that. You don't have to. This is something that we have missed. We have missed this. We have gotten this completely wrong, and we have turned out from the local church time and time again judgmental bigots who only care about people agreeing directly with them. And Jesus said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You want to know what I know about this and understand? This is what I know and understand based on these events. This is what I know. I believe that love saved humanity. The world was dark. The world was a broken place, and it still is. But should we say yes to Jesus? And should we understand this new movement rooted in love? Should we understand it this? We understand that at the core of everything we're doing, love saved humanity. And you know what another word that I can interchange with love is based on humanity? Jesus saved humanity. And so I'll just tell you this. If you're new around here, you haven't been in church in a while, and you're going, I don't really get or understand all this, that's okay, because we're on a journey together. We'd love to have you be a part of and engage with us at Downtown Harbor Church. But here's what I want you to know. When you say yes to Jesus, and it's just one simple, just saying yes, it doesn't necessarily have to be this long, massive prayer we sprinkle in. It doesn't, it doesn't matter, right? This is just a, Jesus, hey, I believe that you are who you say that you are. And then... He gave us very clear instructions on what to do next. It was so clear that we can't miss it. He said, hey, now go love other people. That's how the world will know that you are followers of mine. That's how the world will know that you love and know me. You want to know something else? When he says love one another, he just doesn't say love people who are like you. He doesn't say love people who are just your race or you're in your church. It's not, it's, we're missing the entire thing. He goes, hey, love one another. By that, by that, people will know that you're my disciples. So if you've not ever said yes to Jesus in your life, I'm just telling you I did years ago, it's time to get it done. And then it's time to pivot your life, and it's time to go love other people and engage with your community that's around you. Be a part of something like this at Downtown Harbor Church. If you're out of town or, and you're here today, find a great place locally that you can engage with because this has the potential to not only change your life, but our communities as well. And that, that is at the core of what this is all about. God used Jesus to come to earth to save humanity. We just have to let him. And you know something? That's why we're celebrating today. 
And I don't know if you know the good folks at the downtown Harbor Church, but these people like to celebrate, okay? Sometimes a little too much celebration, all right? But this is the truth. As you think about this, as you engage with family and friends in the next couple of days, and you get to do things that are more special than any other time of year, right? Don't forget how special this was and about how this changed everything. God used Jesus to come to earth to save humanity. And we understand that at this time of year. You know, I always like say this and around the house a little bit with Caitlin, and I said, you know, one of the reasons I love Christmas so much is it only comes around once a year. It's like the release of a Star Wars movie in WrestleMania. Like, that's all it is. Like, it only comes around once a year. So don't miss those moments. Go home tonight. Celebrate. Love those around you. And maybe, just maybe, maybe you need this moment to pick up the phone or send a text or do something that's out of the box with someone who you've wronged or someone who's wronged you. Maybe that's how God's going to work in your life this Christmas season. Because after all, those are the words of Jesus right before he went to go die, not mine. People will know that you are my disciples when you figure out how to love one another. God used Jesus to come to earth to save humanity. We just have to let him. Let me pray for us. Father, we're so thankful that we get to celebrate on this day, that we get to engage with each other, and that at the end of everything, that love came to earth when Jesus arrived on the scene. May we in this room just say yes to following after him. And may we turn our lives in a direction that we understand how important it is to do exactly as he instructed us to do. Now, there's a whole bunch of other stuff he instructed us to do as well. But he said, this is how they're going to know that you are followers of mine. So God, I pray for this room tonight, this very unique group of people who you knew would be here long ago, who would be hearing this message. I pray that you would work through their lives, that you would work through their hearts, that you would allow them to engage with you, some for the first time ever, and some as to be a part of a community that could help change this city in a different and more radical way. Jesus, today we celebrate you. Tomorrow we celebrate you. We love to do that with family and friends, those who are around us. But we love that God sent you to earth to save humanity. And we pray this today, all in Jesus' name. Amen.